Today's episode of Outside the Rack is brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of the GymAware. In today's world of strength and conditioning, data collections become the utmost of importance, and that's exactly where GymAware separates itself from the competition. Because when we're sitting there and looking to collect data, what data are you actually collecting? And are the numbers you're looking at fitting into the exercises that you're utilizing? And even more so, are they going to answer the questions that you're looking for? Looking at different ways that you are moving the barbell through peak and mean, both velocity and power, is really what separates GymAware from the competition. Being able to understand what your ballistic exercises are doing separate to what your strength exercises are doing really allows you to program at a much more specific level for your athletes. So hop on over to kinetic.com.au to see what Evan and his team have in store for you today. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information or a place where you can find different opinions from forward thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 49th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of GymAware. In this show, we're just going to try to dive a little deeper into the minds of some of the top practitioners of the world's sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by the head of SNC at Powering Through, William Wayland. William, thanks for being with us today, man. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yeah, man, it's good to catch up a little bit. It's good to see you. Glad to hear you're doing well. And before we get going too far, brother, who is William Wayland? <laughs> uh, William Wayland is a, is a strength and conditioning consultant uh, for the PGA European Tour. Uh, he owns his own gym uh, in, in, uh, in Chelmsford, Essex in the UK, where we offer uh, an array of, of, of performance services, group fitness, um, and yeah, we've, uh, we've been doing this now for, for three years and, and we're looking forward to, to doing it for many more. And, uh, I, I think that just about sums, that's as brief as I can make that question. I, you know, that people ask you that question, you was like, it's, summing yourself up is always a horrible, horrible question, but, uh, hopefully that does it. No, man. Yeah. A hundred percent. And a guy who is a bit of an author and a guy who's got programs out that, I can attest to are fantastic on his website. Um, so the guy who's kind of doing a little bit of it all, bro. Definitely, definitely trying to, you know, um, you know, things have, things have changed. So, you know, some of us have had to pivot a little bit into doing other stuff. You know, I do it like writing regularly. That's something I find uh, quite cathartic. You know, um, you get a chance to get some of that, 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 
implicit knowledge down on paper so you can actually sort of get through your thought processes as, as to what you're doing you know we're working on a few things as well coming going forwards with terence who had on the other day so we're working on something together so um you know it's uh, yeah just trying to to create content that we think people want you know no doubt man because it's it's as kicker wing said in joe dirt man or joe dirt said to kicker wing it's it's not about you it's about the consumer but uh, as a guy, and now, you know, you don't, you don't give yourself enough credit for your work in the fight game either. So we can come <laughs> back to that in a little bit yeah, yeah. and talk about that. But a guy who's been around the fight game, working with pro golfers and, you know, again, writing, digging in, trying to learn and be better. I, I'm excited for this. Describe for us, if you could, a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career. So... Uh, I had to think about this because there's probably been a couple. There's probably been more than one, you know, uh, because I feel what we do is we we uh, we iterate ourselves, right? There are always different versions of ourselves as as we're going along, and I guess one of the biggest ones was, and this is sort of uh, kind of early early in my career, was was getting away from um, stimulus uh, for athletes as, as a, um, having to look a specific way. So what I mean by this is, is you think about training max strength, for instance, most people instantly think of back squat, you know, deadlift bench press, because that's the powerlifting convention and, um, or, or, you know, Olympic lifting, for instance, because those are the way the conventions we've been taught for a long time. And then suddenly like, wait a minute, I can apply stress, of, of greater or similar magnitude, but in a fashion that works for the population of people I'm working with. So, um, you know, because the end of the day, the body doesn't doesn't understand movements. It doesn't, um, you know, in terms of in terms of trying to apply systemic stress, um, definitely. So, a big change was was a lot of what I've taken from from Cal Dieter's work, like the a big proponent of the hand supported split squat. I think I've managed to to, to encourage a lot of people to at least give it a try. Um, and using that as like a primary, you know, a heavy low body stimulus, um, hand supported squatting, the old Hatfield squat, like, uh, you know, hopefully in some way I've gotten more people into, into using that as a, as a, you know, it doesn't look like a, it doesn't look like a squat. It's not a contested movement, you know, in any way, shape or form, but it's a great way to apply stimulus. So occasionally I'll catch flack because I'll be doing stuff on, on social media, and it doesn't look like what people expect. It's not a squat. It's not a bench press. It's some pretty, usually something where I'm toying with something or trying something different. And the end of the day, it's like, well, the end, all, we, all we'll be looking for is stimulus. That's the, that's the key is, is a stressor. You know, so if someone, you know, got an athlete doing, uh, you know, a super maximal hand supported squat with 200, you know, you know, 200% of their one RM or something silly like that. I think 150 is the heaviest we've ever gone, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and, just giving them a dose of stress that hopefully will be multiplicative later on in terms of like benefits to that individual. So people will freak out. Like I've even tried it with golfers doing, getting golfers doing heavy super maximal work because at the end of the day, it's a very acute dose of stress um, that we hope will manifest a, be a benefit further down the line. And um, you know, it just doesn't look what the, it breaks the convention people are used to seeing because at the end of the day, Stress is what matters, you know, the, 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 and the tools you use are just that, getting there. So, yeah, basically abandoning 
um, conventional sort of power lift or Olympic weightlifting for, for just stress seeking as opposed to, to, to like being shackled to a conventional strength sport, I guess it would be the biggest thing. I dig it, man. And I, you know, it's funny you bring up the hand supported stuff, really good friend of mine and a, and a guy that you've talked to a lot has been a big proponent of that too. And it's Chase Campbell. We talk about that quite often. I know that you guys have touched base on that a few times. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Chase is awesome. And, and he, like we've spoken a little bit about it and we occasionally send each other stuff where we're sort of toying with ideas or, or getting away from, from sort of lifting convention, just seeing, cause he, 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 the other reason I like Chase is because much like myself, we're willing to experiment on ourselves. He's always willing to give it a go, you know, and, and I'm a big proponent of, uh, I, I get quoted eating your own restaurant, you know, at least be shown, be willing to give, give some of it a go. I'm not saying you have to be, a badass or, or you know you have to be super strong but at least be willing to get your hands dirty every now and again you know yeah no doubt man i can tell you this though dude when you get 40 it gets harder <laughs> <laughs> well well i'm 37 so I'm, I'm, I'm just about holding together so yeah just just wait man <laughs> that age thing is it's an sob it catches up to you there's days where man i feel old <laughs> but no nah, man you know you do you, you know you, you put out a lot of really great content you you have you know a lot of really good experience in two specific areas of sport but are doing things in rugby as well and other sports in the uk so this one this one will be a fun one for me too william could ask one question and he knows he would get the answer what would that question be and why so yeah, this is like you, you can get silly with a question like this, and 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 you know ask something that sort of you know that would be beneficial to yourself personally. But like, I guess the, I guess it, and it speaks to maybe like a, a, a maybe a, a bit of a stoke question, and the, and that is like, um, how much of it is you? And and what I mean by that is is sport is real is really phenomenological. So you can be a great strength and conditioning coach. You can work with any athlete um, and you can do your job really, really, really well. But that athlete goes and loses. Now, is that a reflection on, your, on your, the quality of you as a strength coach? Maybe, you know, not necessarily, because as long as you went out, I guess, and did the best job you could, whether they win or lose is perhaps knocking, knocking indicative, unless you did something horrendously bad and maybe you sort of hurt them or something, but it's not necessarily indicative of your quality as a coach. And strength and conditioning coaches have to live with this, you know, but also I guess sports coaches too, you know, but I guess the sports coach is more directly responsible. You know, there's a grade of responsibility there that perhaps the strength coach doesn't have. So yeah, I guess the, the you know, how much is your responsibility? How much isn't your responsibility? You know, how much do you need to apply? How much don't you need to apply? And that's the question I think that should be keeping a lot of strength coaches up at night is, is that, you know, how much can I influence the outcome versus how much can, and I think as you get older, you relax more and you start to, to realize, well, you know, 
the outcome is the what the outcome is you know obviously people are defend, depending on you to help influence parameters for the performance but at the end of the day if if someone goes out and, and you try your best they try their best but still come up short then what what more can you ask of yourself do you understand what i'm what i'm saying it's it's and it's that it's that question of of, of how much value do you bring and and how seriously should you take that you know um and and it, it's something i guess yeah as i've got older i've learned to, to relax more uh, sometimes i still can't you know but uh, you learn to you learn to relax more and and if you do make mistakes i guess you you, you again you try and iterate yourself you make sure you don't make them again you, you improve and become a better version of yourself you know but um and i uh, there's a saying i really like is as you see it on social media quite a lot is, is, uh, you know, victory has, has a thousand parents, but defeat is an orphan, you know? So when someone wins, suddenly everyone comes out of the woodwork to, to put their flag in the ground and say, I was clearly a massive influence on this outcome, you know, whereas if someone loses suddenly a bereft of support, you know, so they might put up a, a post or something and say, Hey, so-and-so tried super hard. It's, it's particularly noticeable in the fight game, I guess, you know, but uh, yeah, does that make sense? No, 100%, man. I think that, yeah, the fight game, just weight cut, right? Like, if that doesn't go perfect, everything could go. But I mean, even like, as chaotic as team sport is, like, I guess that's like the question that we've always been asking, you know, what, you know, Bob Alejo is getting at is like, how do we actually um, evaluate ourselves and know if we were or were not doing a good enough job and this, that, and third with it. I think that that's, I think that's something that still is really great. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think for me, the reason I think about that question is because um, the stoic philosophy has been such a, a big influence on my approach as a coach. The question that you always ask yourself there is, is what is, what, you know, what can I control? What is outside of my control and therefore not worth worrying about? And I guess it's trying to figure out which of these particular things, you know, what matters and what doesn't matter, you know? Um, and it's, this isn't the same, it's not the same as indifference, but it's, it's, you know, trying to grasp, well, what's worth my concern, what's not worth my concern, you know? And, 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 occasionally people get stuck don't they and they start giving too much too much concern to things that really are outside of their influence you know um and you're always going to be unhappy if, if if you end up doing that you know no doubt about it i think that that's a lesson that a lot of coaches can heed a lot of a lot of strength from is you trip about the wrong thing too long boys and girls you're going to turn into graybeard and uh <laughs> That's why you're going to look like this before you turn 40 like I did because you're just, you know, if you trip over everything, you're eventually all you're doing is falling, right? Well, this is the thing. There's the, there's the other question is, is you know, you, you might be able to answer this. So how much stuff retrospectively were, were you worried about in the past that now you're like, that wasn't worth worrying about? Oh, my gosh. Dude, that's I'm, like a, <laughs> There's not... There is, there is not enough booze and cigars in your house for us to go through all of those, my man. Like that would be, that conversation would be like, that, that's like a week long trip to a resort. Be like, Let's talk about just the first two years in day one. Let's book something. 
Yeah, man. Shoot, next year at the seminar, we'll sit down. If, if this COVID yeah. thing ever lets us travel, if you guys could ever get into the country and then if they'd ever yeah. let you back out, you know, I mean, I, yeah, dude, of course. But yeah, I think that that's a great point. You know, like, you know, because again, like, I think that the best example of that is like people that have been in these games long enough that you have athletes come back and like, they say like, oh, you've gone soft. And it's like, no, it's not that I've gone soft. It's just that like, that stuff that I used to lose my mind over before, like, it's just not worth it. Like, it's like, like the, you know, the, the ulcer that I had because of that, like, it's just not, there's no point. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But speaking of trips and speaking of uh, catching up, you do a lot, man. And you're on the road a lot too with the tour, which unfortunately right now is a little bit of a unique situation, but with all these things, man, owning a business, the extra teams on the side, members, pros, the tour, there's got to be some way that William comes back to zero. So what's your escape, bro? Um, I guess, I guess it's three things. And I guess you can, you can uh, multiply these against the, the, the time it takes to enjoy them. So first would be like, uh, and this one, people always find this really unintuitive is cigars. Um, like I've, I've shared with a few people, I don't put it up on, on my, my social media very often. I occasionally put it up on my private one because people, people get real judgy, but, um, cigar smoking and, and, um, we know that, um, you know, like Mike Wadongo is, is pretty, pretty keen on a cigar as, as am I. And, um, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know where, where it really started. I was given one by a friend, uh, at a wedding. And after, and I think it took me about 40 minutes to smoke it. And it was the fact it was just like time not doing anything else. I don't think I picked up my phone once. And it's just that time spent sort of considering um, and just taking the moment out. And I think that's what it does. It gives you something to do with your hands, you know, and, it, and because there's like a ritual to it. So you cut it, you know, you, you smell it, whatever, and then to sort of light it. And that takes a little bit of time. And then once you're going, you know, you puff it once every sort of 30 seconds to a minute and, and you just take your time over it. And then you, you learn much like wine or coffee, different cigars have different flavor palettes, stuff like that. So it's, you know, and, and it'll take 40 minutes to an hour with a decent sized one, you know, and, and um, it's just like sitting in the garden and doing that is like nice sort of a little bit of time out. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that I can't do at the moment, though, that I'm missing a lot to the point where I um, was driving my wife mad because I was looking at buying a sauna for my house because I really, really enjoy saunering. And when everything was open, I was saunering at least two times a week. And again, I think that's this, a similar type of thing um, is that you're in there for like, I'll, it'll take me sort of an hour and a half, maybe two hours to do a whole sauna routine. I'll go in for 20 minutes, cold shower. Uh, wait until the heart rate goes back to normal and then head back in again. And I got to the point where I was able to sort of sauna for 20, 25 minutes around and was getting really good at it. It was really good for my cardio, actually. It was the, one of the biggest things I noticed. Um, but also for recovery, relaxation, especially if you go with a friend and you just chat, you know, that's really nice. But um, again, you don't have your phone with you. You don't have the technology with you. So, so that's something you don't have. 
Um, uh, although people keep bringing their phones into the sauna, which is probably one of the most irritating habits I've ever seen. And I don't know if those lithium ion batteries are explosive, but I always worry when someone brings a phone into a sauna, if they're asking for trouble, but, um, yeah, uh, like you're away from your phone. So that's, that's great as well. And then, um, you know, again, it's kind of, there's a ritual to that. There's a ritual to the sauna, you know, and it's, it's, it's nice, especially if you do it twice a week or more. Um, and then the third thing that people, I guess, if you visit my private um, Instagram page, uh, is architecture and, and um, history, something I really, really enjoy. And people uh, occasionally DM me, going, why do you keep posting pictures of like, you know, buildings and stuff? And it's like, because um, like you ever go to an old Europe, I don't know if you've ever traveled to Europe yourself. Um, yeah, so you go to some of the old European cities you know, you sit at a cafe and just sit and take it in, you know, and look at the buildings. And there's something to that, that, that uh, I find enormously rewarding. So one of the benefits of actually traveling a lot on tour, especially around Europe, is that sometimes I'll get a morning uh, or a little bit of time where I can take a moment to go out, visit the town or the city wherever the, the, the golf tournament's hosted and, and just, you know, see some, see some, some buildings or some architecture you know, so like places like Budapest, Paris, um, I was in Geneva recently, um, you know, places like that, I find enormously enriching just to sit and, and, and wander around. Like I'm one of these people like, I won't necessarily visit a museum, but I just enjoy wandering around a city, taking the place in and, and yeah, just like seeing the architecture, things like that. I find it, you know, enormously rewarding. It's why part of the reason why, um, you know, I used to really like going to London uh, although now so, there's a lot more steel and glass going up, so it's becoming a far less pleasant place to visit. Um, but yeah, like that that as well. So, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Kate, like I haven't been anywhere for a couple of months now and I'm itching to, to travel somewhere, you know, and, and see, some, see some buildings or uh, visit a few museums or something like that. But so yeah, those three things kind of, you know, are what I enjoy indulging in a little bit, you know. Um, I try and keep the cigar smoking to 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 a minimum. However, you know it's like probably only a couple of year. Um, you know I can see how they can become addictive. Yeah, dude, I I dig <laughs> that last one too, man. Like, you know, we've had the opportunity to get over there a few times, and you know, with, with playing and all this and that. And I, uh, yeah, man, there's there's something to just sitting in a square and having a coffee or a sandwich and just kind of looking around and like taking it all in that's that's pretty rad yeah absolutely absolutely like um one of my favorite things is is, is like when travel with my wife i say she says there's always time for a coffee and what she basically means is there's always time just to take a moment sit down and just just take in a, a you know a town square or, or or whatever just people watch that type of thing you know there's something something to be said for that um you know it's enormously enormously rewarding um yeah and and one of the beautiful beautiful things about europe is cafe cultures pretty much everywhere you know so you can get that experience everywhere in the uk we don't do it so much more more now but i think it's because the weather's lousy here so the idea of seeing outside is very 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 foreign to us so uh, yeah it's something something the continental europeans do so yeah but um yeah that type of thing is is, is great for me um yeah like there's so many wonderful small small and large cities in in europe that uh, you know are great are great for that so uh, yeah and i don't think you can ever really visit them all no no 
I mean, you could. It's just <laughs> take you a long time. Yeah, and a lot more money than than I'll ever make. But yeah. no, brother, it's great to see you. Great to catch up, man. Glad you're doing awesome. Good to and, catch uh, up. Yeah, so happy we could do this, man. We'll be in touch soon. Cheers.